Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Amen. You guys be seated. I hope today's message will really touch you. I'm not real sure. I hope it does. Um, I, I don't know if it's my personality. I don't know if I'm just strange. I don't know what it is. But um, I will tell you something. Life, life is short. Life is very short. Um, life is short, you guys. And since, since I gave my life over to Christ back on February 18th, 1990... I don't know what it is, but I have had this sense of purpose and mission since 1990. Um, I have never really settled or satisfied, been satisfied with just going through life. I've always wanted to have this purpose and this mission. And I felt strongly that I had this purpose and mission. As a matter of fact, I felt so strongly that I sometimes will visualize what that would look like and what that would be like. I felt like there's a sense that God had a plan for me and laid out a plan for me. And as I connected with him on a deeper level, that plan began, began to come into focus. And I've always felt like that I have a purpose here on earth and I have a mission. And I've always felt like that it's because of my connection with God. I really do believe that, uh, and I don't know how he does it, but I do believe that when God creates us, he leaves a little piece for himself. And that we, when we connect with God, that final puzzle piece, it's really funny. This is not funny for y'all, but it is funny for me. I hate puzzles. I hate puzzles. When I say I hate puzzles, I hate puzzles. What miserable sap decided to take a picture of something, cut it into a thousand pieces, and then say, let's mix it up and put it all back together. And that would be fun. I hate it. My wife loves puzzles. I know that shocks everybody that I would hate something and she would love something, but she does. So we've made an agreement that I would not have to do puzzles, which I love. Um, but I love puzzles. But, but one time, I did this one time, one time she was working on a puzzle. It had a thousand pieces. And I was walking into the kitchen and I looked over at that beautiful puzzle all messed up and she was working on it. She had stepped out and I took one piece of the puzzle and I hit it. I did. I did. And, and she, I watched her as the week went on. She was going, oh, it's, it's coming together. Oh, yeah. And I was like, you don't know, but it ain't going to come together <laughs> because I got a piece of the puzzle. But anyway, so she finished the puzzle and there's one piece missing. And if you, if you know anything about my wife, this drove her crazy. Listen, when we first met, and this was back when you would do a checkbook registry. I don't know if anybody's still doing that, but if you are, you're old uh, like me. But she, she, she would do a checkbook registry. And my thought was, was that, hey, as long as we're within 50 bucks or so, it's all good. She would go down to the penny and to the nickel. She's like, hey, I don't know why this says it's coming up. I, it's, the checkbook is not balancing. And so we decided that around ten or twenty dollars would be okay. So um, that was before, by the way, that was before debit cards and all that stuff. That was when you had to go to the ATM. But this puzzle piece was missing, and it drove her crazy. 
And for three days, I watched her be driven crazy. And then I, I was walking in the kitchen and I threw the puzzle piece under the table and I said, hey, is this the puzzle piece you've been looking for? And she knew it wasn't there because she had gotten her hands and knees looking for it. She said, you took the puzzle piece. And she was right. I did take the puzzle piece. Fast forward to every other time in the world when there's been a puzzle piece missing. Guess who gets blamed? I do. Haven't ever taken one since, but I get blamed. I really believe, I really believe that we are like an unfinished puzzle until we connect with what I call the power source. We connect with God. We give our lives. We surrender our lives over to God. And that final puzzle piece gets put together. And I believe, I'm just crazy enough to believe that he has a sense of purpose and a sense of calling and a mission that each one of us are to be on. Now let me set the scene. We are talking today about Palm Sunday. We are pausing the John series and we're talking about Palm Sunday because I think it's a valuable message that oftentimes gets overlooked because there's some assumptions made on our part because we know how the story ends. Jesus is leaving Jericho. Now, let me, I have, this is so cool. Can you guys throw that map up there? I have my trusty map here. He's leaving Jericho. All right, and today I brought my pointer. Is it working? Yeah, it's working. So he's leaving Jericho, and he's coming up. Now, it is over here. He's leaving Jericho. Now, I want to remind you what Jericho is. Jericho, and some of you guys may not know this, but Jericho is the place where a lot of the religious people would travel, they would travel back and forth. They would go into the temple. They would serve for a week. They would travel the road to Jericho and most of the people lived in the area of Jericho. Most of the Levite people, the religious people, the people that did the work of the church, so to speak, of the temple, they lived in Jericho. So they would travel back and forth, which is interesting when you think about the story of the Good Samaritan. Because chances are, the people that were passing up the Good Samaritan, the people that were passing up the person that was hurt and the Good Samaritan stopped, those people probably were religious people. As a side note, that's free. That don't cost you anything. That's a free little nugget. But he's coming from Jericho, making his way up to Jerusalem like other Levite priests would be doing. Like other rabbis would be doing. Because the Holy Week's going to be starting. And here's what would occur. He would, he would travel up. He would go through Bethany and he would be at Bethpage here. And what, what he would do is, is he would be in this area. He would go into the city and come out. And that started on Palm Sunday. He would go into the city and minister and he would come back out to this area, right in this area. And so what we're seeing is, is we're seeing what's oftentimes known as Jesus' triumphal march into the city. And the descriptions, it's, it's amazing because the, the descriptions of how he came in are vitally important. Well, the first thing I want you to know is this, is that he came in riding on a donkey, and we're going to read about it in a minute, but he came in riding on a donkey. And the cool thing is, is that the, the donkey is a symbol for peace. It's the first thing. 
The second thing is, is that if you go back to the scriptures and you look at the story of Isaiah, Isaac and Abraham, and Isaac was a Jesus-like figure, a Christ-like figure in the Old Testament. And if you go back and you look at the story of Abraham, the father, sacrificing the son, it's interesting to note that Isaac rode a donkey toward his what would be sacrifice that never occurred because God provided another way out. And so he's going in and out of the city. I'd really hoped I could use my pointer more, but it looks like that moment's over. Anyway, so he's going in and out of the city and he stops at Bethpage, which we showed the map. Bethpage is about a mile and a half outside the city. And I want you to know something. There's tension in the air. There is. There's tension in the air because Jesus is known about here. And Jesus is well known. And Jesus knows that he will be taken. And he knows the circumstances. And he knows what's going to occur. Because he is going in during the Passover. During the height of the celebration of the Jewish people. And there's crowds that are starting to follow him. Crowds are starting to follow him. And as the crowds start following him, they do something that's very, very unique. And there's tension in the air. And these crowds, their king is headed toward Jerusalem. And Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11, picks it up. And it says, As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there. He said, as soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say the Lord needs them and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt and sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession and the people all around were shouting, Praise God for the Son of, uh, praise God for the son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. The two get sent ahead to, 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 to get the animals. They come back out. Jesus gets on the donkey. And immediately there begins to be people as an act of reverence and as an act of respect they began to throw their coats, their clothes. Now, mind you, listen, I want you to understand something. They couldn't just go down to Kohl's and buy another jacket. Are you with me? These were very valuable things to them. They threw their clothes, they threw their clothes down, and, and the donkey began to, to, to walk over it. And then, out of a sign of royalty, when you lay palm branches, what would occur is, is that warriors would go off into battle. And the, the army would go off into battle. They would go, they would be victorious. They would come back a hero to the nation. And as they entered in to the city, 
as a sign that they are heroes, they would lay the palm branches down when a hero would come in. Much like a ticker tape parade that we do. You know, we've seen the pictures of World War I and World War II, ticker tape parade everywhere. There are heroes coming in from the battle. We do that on a lesser scale with football teams. Not that the Falcons or the Hawks would ever know about that, but we've seen it a time or two with the Braves. All right? And they're 2-0 right now, so let's see. But that's what they would do. They would lay down these palm branches. There's something interesting, though, is in Zechariah, uh, the, the scripture that he read, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming. There's something interesting. Let's look at Zechariah 9, 9, because that's where it was taken from. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. And it says this. It says, he is righteous and victorious. And he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. And so what's interesting is, is that Matthew leaves out he is righteous and victorious. Do you know why he left out he is righteous and victorious? Because that which was righteous and victorious mission had not yet been accomplished. Jesus was guaranteed 100% solidified as righteous and victorious. And we celebrate that next Sunday. But he wasn't righteous and victorious by the world standards, yet we know he was righteous and victorious. But Matthew leaves it out to make a point. To say the job has not been completed as of yet. The mission has not been accomplished as of yet. So what it brings me to think about and what it brings me to really ponder on is this. And I know we don't think about this because we know the end of the story. But here's my question to you. What if Jesus decided that it was just too much for him? Have you ever thought about that? What if Jesus began heading toward, toward Jerusalem? He, he's coming up from Jericho. He's going up you know, through Bethany onto Bethpage. And all of a sudden he stops and says, you know what? This is too hard for me. I can't do this. I can't do it. I, I'm going to let me off this donkey. I can't do it. Stop throwing these palm branches. I, I can't do it. I can't do it. Now, you and I, when I say that question, you and I go, of course, Jesus would never do that. You know why he would never do it? He would never do it because there's a lot of people's lives at stake. Are you with me? As a matter of fact, our lives are at stake. Our very spiritual souls are at stake. So Jesus obviously would never do that. Yeah, I know. But what if he did? And the question I have for you is, is his mission was about to be completed. The question I have for you is, is what's your mission? And isn't the same true for, for us? Isn't the same true for us that if we do not embrace the path that God has us on, and we do not embrace the mission and the calling that he has given us. Isn't it true that people's lives are on the line? It is for me. It is for me. I have people that come to me, and it's very humbling to me. I have people that come to me and says, hey, listen, I'm so glad you became a pastor because you affected me this way or this way or this way. And I know the truth. The truth of the matter is, is that God 
working through me affected them this way and this way and this way. All I am is a vessel to spread the, the good news that he's laid out before me. That's all I am. And for Holy Spirit to work in the lives of the people. That's all I am and that's all we're, that's going on. They recognize it as me, but it's not me. It's God. But the truth of the matter is that at some point I had to submit to the calling that which I was called. I had to submit to the mission that which I was given. I had to submit to those things and I had to walk out the path that God had for me even though it wasn't always easy. I had to do that. And I'm still doing that. And some days I don't want to do that, if I'm being honest with you. But the truth of the matter is, is that people's lives are at stake. What, we're, what we see this week, you guys, what we, we're seeing on Palm Sunday is we're seeing Jesus literally choosing to fulfill his mission. He's literally choosing to fulfill his mission. And today... I want you to not only think of Palm Sunday as the king triumphantly coming into the city, but as the king triumphantly completing the mission that he was called for. And then I want you to take it a step further. And I want you to be challenged today to complete the mission that you were created for. That's what I want to challenge you with today. Why? Well, I'm glad you asked. That's the first point. Y'all, we are to pattern our lives on the life of Jesus Christ. Our lives are to be patterned on the life of Jesus Christ. There's two things that Jesus showed in his life that I believe, I believe, here it is, humbleness and obedience. Humbleness and obedience. He made a grand entrance Yet he was still humble and he was obedient. Humble and obedient. Here's what 1 Samuel 15, 22 says. 1 Samuel 15, 22, it says, But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? This is amazing. I want you to think about this. He's saying all of the religious stuff that you do, all of the work that you do, all of those things, all of those sacrifices, all the money you give, all the time that you put in, all of those things, what's more important? And then he says, listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams. James 4, 6 says this, it says, and he gives grace generously, as the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Proverbs 18, 12 says this, it says, haughtiness, having this spirit like you, this haughty spirit that you know better, it goes before destruction. But here it is, humility Proceeds. Humility proceeds honor. We have to look and we have to mirror Jesus. Can I tell you a little story? Can I tell you a little secret? I have never regretted being humble and obedient. Think about that. I have never in my life regretted being humble and obedient. Can I tell you what I have regretted? I've regretted my temper being too quick. I've regretted thinking that I'm more than I am. I've regretted 
trying to tell somebody how's this and how's that and what's this and what's that. I've regretted overstepping boundaries of things. I've regretted, and I could go on and on and on. I've regretted being prideful about a situation. I've regretted, and I could go on and on, but here's the thing I've never regretted. I've never regretted being humble and obedient. I want you to think of your own sin. Think of your own sin right now. Think of your own sin. Do you know that most of our sin could be eradicated if only we chose to be humble and obedient? Think about that. You think of the sin that you're entangled in right now. Think of that sin that, that messes you up a little bit. All you have to do is be humble and obedient. And those sins would fade away. That disconnect from God, that thing that separates us from God would fade away. We are to pattern our lives after the life of Jesus. And Jesus' greatest attributes is being humble and obedient. Jesus also trusted the Father. And here's what I want you to know. We too are to trust Him. Jesus trusted the Father. And we too are to trust Him. We talked about that earlier. We, we sang that song earlier about understanding that He is our only hope what gave Jesus the strength to ride into the city? Can I tell you what gave him the strength to ride into the city? It was the trust of his father. I've told you guys a story before about the plane that was crashing. You guys remember that story? The plane's going down. The plane's going down. And um, all these people are panicking. And, and they're having all kinds of issues. And there's a kid sitting in the sitting in the, in the floor playing with his car. He doesn't seem to be bothered at all. And the people are like stepping over the kid and, and the kid's sitting there playing and he has no, no problems at all. And, and finally a stewardess goes, young man, wh why, why are you not panicking? What's going on? And he says, oh, that's simple. My dad's the pilot. My dad's the pilot. I, I trust my dad. Jesus trusted his father. The question I have for you that I asked you earlier is this. Do you really believe what Jesus said to be true. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? The second question is much harder because you can easily say, yeah, I believe it. I believe it's true. Does your life reflect that you really believe what Jesus said is true? Do you really believe that? Does your, do you believe that to the point where your life reflects what Jesus said is true? John 14, 12 says this. John 14, 12 says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me, and we're going to be looking at this probably in the summer, uh, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. And then we look right after that in John 14, 15 through 17, it says, if you love me, obey obedience, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, that's Holy Spirit, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. And that's so true today. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. He will be in you. And so Holy Spirit will be in us and it is in us. And that's one of the reasons why we know we can trust Christ that's one of the reasons why we can say, yes, I believe what Jesus said. And yes, my life reflects that I really believe. And I want to continue to mirror my life after that of Christ. So the question I have is, what would your life look like 
if you did believe that God was telling you the truth? How would your life change? If you believe that God was telling you the truth, if you believe that all the promises that he's made, if you believe those things, how would your life change? Would you worry as much? Would you be stressed as much? Would you stay tied down? Do you know that there is lots of people, maybe even here today, and I'm not telling you to go out and quit your job, but I am telling you to pray about it. You, you live and you work in a mundane job where there's no fulfillment, where there's no mission, there's no nothing. And you spend more time on that than anything else. Yet, I tell you that if you will follow Christ, either he has a mission for you in that job, or he has a different mission for you at another job. And I'm just crazy enough to think, and listen, you're looking at the guy who literally walked left, left to church with no job. All right. And I like to eat. Okay. And I left a church with no job because I'm just crazy enough to think. And Lynn, Lynn, he, he uprooted and came up here and was going to a church and was attending church and stuff like that. And he and I got the talking and there he goes. He left a position and didn't even get paid by our church for almost a year. Did it for free. And then when we could pay him, it was embarrassing. I was like, here, I don't know what you laugh or cry, man. Get you a pair of socks and underwear. I don't know what to tell you. You know what I mean? That's about it. Save up for a pair of jeans. I mean, so we both experienced this. And the scary part is, is that it's hard, to, it's hard to know what's on the other side. Are you with me? And that's the scary part, but it's also the best part. Because when you understand that God is faithful... When you experience God in a way that he is faithful, you then show that he can be trusted. And you are freed up. You are freed up to experience that which God had for you. You know, there's people that I've talked to. There's some people that work at this school that are like, man, I have looked and looked and looked for this place for a long time. And I finally found it. And it's my mission. And it's my purpose. And I'm like, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord you found your mission and purpose here. Thank the Lord that you were bold enough to leave those other situations. You know? That's why I always tell people, look, don't, don't, don't give up your walk with Christ. You know, I tell kids, you know, when they kids work and stuff, and I'm like, look, don't, don't give up your life. Don't give up your spiritual life for $7.50 an hour. You know what I mean? Don't give up your spiritual life for $7.50 an hour. You know, don't do that. Don't tell them you'll work every time the doors are open. You got to come fellowship with the believers. You got to be a part of our student ministry. You got to be part of our children's ministry. You got to be part of these things. You got to volunteer. You got to live. Plus, you got enough time to live as it is when you get older. But I like to tell parents this too: you you don't give up your life for seventy-five grand a year, or a hundred grand, or two hundred grand. Do you know that God just kind of scoffs at that? No, He's got you on a mission, and your mission, your mission, is when you connect with God. He takes your gifts, your talents, everything. And he wants you to answer that call because he answered that call. And today we got to see that he answered the call because he rode in victorious with, as a hero's welcome with palm branches. We know next Sunday that Jesus fulfilled his mission and he wants you to do the same. Now his mission was far greater than ours. 
And his mission is what allowed our mission. He made it possible because of his sacrifice. The question I have for you is why don't you fulfill your mission? Why don't you do that? Now listen, I'm not telling you that God wants you to come up and be a preacher. I'm not saying that. But you know what? Your mission may be that you need to be the best mom you can be to your kids. Your mission may be that there's people in your neighborhood that you need to befriend and you need to talk to and you need, who knows? More than likely, it's going to be around something that God's already put inside of you anyway that you're already gifted and talented for. My wife was in middle school when she knew she was going to be a counselor. Middle school. It's kind of psychotic, isn't it? Middle school. Everybody else is just wanting to get sugar cookies and orange juice. And when do I wonder how they're feeling. You know what I mean? Middle school. And there's nothing. I want you to hear this. There's nothing, nothing that would have kept her, barring death, there's nothing that would have kept her from doing that. And right now as we speak, there's nothing that would keep her from continuing. Why is that? Well, it's not because she loves going into work every day. Trust me, I hear stories. She does not. There are difficult things. But man, whenever there's that one kid that comes in and that she counsels and listens to, and then three or four years later we'll be at Walmart or we'll be Target or whatever, we'll be somewhere and sure we're someone. And I always know, I always know what the deal is because I always know, because she didn't ever introduce me to them. I always know that it's one of her kids that she helped. What is that? Man, that is a huge prize. It's a huge prize. And that, that one conversation is enough fuel to keep her going for another six months of doing this mission that can be difficult. You may think, well, gosh, he was God. No one would, no one would, you know, they didn't doubt him or they didn't, he was God. Well, no, that's not true. Matthew 13 says this. Matthew 13, 55 says this. It says, then they scoffed. He's just some carpenter's son. And we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. He's just a carpenter's son. Listen, they doubted Jesus as well. I want to tell you something. I want to give you a challenge. Live out the mission that God has for you. I want to promise you this. We are here to help you with that. We exist to help you experience God in real life. And you need to commit and connect with a group of believers here to do life with. So that we can walk out for you that calling. And I'll promise you we'll walk in humbleness and in obedience. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much, God, for giving us our purpose and our mission. Thank you so much, God, for laying out the plan and purpose. And not only that, God, but for showing the example of how we are to respond. God, we don't need to respond with doubt. We don't need to respond with fear. We don't need to respond with, with trembling. We don't need to respond with any of those things, with tentativeness. We don't need to respond to any of those things. We need to respond strongly and boldly because, God, we know, we know that we can trust you. We know that we can trust you. God, my prayer is, is that for everyone who's here and everyone who's watching online will embrace the mission that you have us on. 
Because God, I know if they did that, we would be unstoppable. People would get saved. We'd see overflowing baptisms. We'd see lives changed. We'd see revival. Let us be bold enough to step out. Let us recognize that our only hope is in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up for a final worship song this morning. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.